This is Poured Over, a show about stories presented by the booksellers of Barnes & Noble. Hello. Hello. I'm Ilani I'm Wilson. I am a bookseller at Barnes & Noble. And today I have the honor of speaking with New York Times bestselling author, Jasmine Guillory. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Poured Over. Oh, thank you so much for having me. The Wedding Date came out in 2018, but I feel like I made it into the Jasmine Guillory world in 2018. And 2020 was a lot. It was and, a lot. <laughs> yes. And I think I had kind of gotten to a point where I was just kind of not even doing the things that I love to do. I was looking for escape. I was looking for something light. And I had to write something about Party of Two, which had just come out or was about to come out. And I was like, this sounds so cute. I think this will be like the perfect book for me to get into. And I don't know if it was the cover or something, but I actually ended up getting the wedding party. That was my first one, you know, the sparkly cover and everything. <laughs> and that was where I started with your books. And I know technically that is not the, the beginning book. Is there a wrong way to read your book? Absolutely not. There is not a wrong way to read. I mean, so the first, my first, six books, like they're, they do go in order, but I tried very hard to write them so that you can read them in any order. Um, mm -hmm. And I know lots of people who have like started with one and then kind of gone back and then eventually reread them all in order. But I think um, I'm excited when people do read them out of order because I'm glad that it they all still make sense. Um, cause you know, characters from other books pop up, but, um, but I want it to feel like you can come in at any point and enjoy all the books. And then you get to like reconnect with other characters in other books. Absolutely. I love that too. That's one of my favorite things about your books. <laughs> when you started writing the wedding date, <laughs> you have since then written seven other books. Um, you've been very busy and <laughs> By the book came out in May of this year, and you have another book, Drunk of Love, Drunk on Love, excuse me, coming out in September that we will talk about a little bit later. But what is your writing process like? And has it changed any since you first started writing? It changes some with every book. Um, I mean, I always the first thing I do with every book is like have a note on my phone. <laughs> At first, it's sort of like general ideas and like scenes that come to mind. I'm like kind of playing with names and trying to figure out who the names are. It's never really an outline there. It's sort of like just like stuff that comes to mind when I'm still in the very early stages. Then I usually sit down and write some sort of an outline. Um, it's not, it's, sometimes it's really long and detailed. Sometimes it's like short and has, you know, kind of a beginning, middle and end and more detail in certain places. And, um, and then I usually just kind of start writing. Um, but, and that, I feel like those things always happen, but the way I do each of them has changed a lot. You know, sometimes I think about a book for a lot longer before I start writing it. Um, I think, um, like my, while we were dating my sixth book, I had had a kind of general idea for that, I don't know, maybe a year and a half before I started writing it, but I really only kind of figured out who the characters and who the, the characters and who they were 
once I kind of dove in and then drunk on love, I had an idea for it, it like a year before I started writing it, but a lot changed during the writing process. Um, so, and like, <laughs> there are lots of little things about, how, you know, whether I'm writing on my computer or writing by hand, like that kind of goes back and forth from book to book, how I, how fast I write really changes <laughs> depending on what's going on. Um, yeah. so yeah, everything I think, you know, things change from for each book um but I do I think spend a lot of time thinking about it. like my first drafts are always really me figuring out who the characters are I think that's the biggest thing my first drafts are always kind of long and rambly <laughs> and then um and then I tighten it up and fix it a lot from draft to draft okay and you have created some of my favorite characters, some of my favorite couples. Um, do you pull these characters from anybody in your life? Are you a part of any of your characters in any way? Um, I'm a part of every single one of my characters. <laughs> I think there's like each one of them has at least something um, that comes back to me. There's often something I've gotten the idea from, from either like something I've seen or someone I know. None of my characters are people I know or myself, um, but kind of the idea often starts with someone. Um, and so, you know, there's, or sometimes even like the idea for certain relationships come from relationships I've had or relationships I've seen in the world. And so that's often where the idea starts. But then as I start writing, the characters really become themselves. I like to consider you like the Shonda Rhimes of <laughs> the romance world. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a compliment. Thank you. You're going to give us, you know, a strong black lead. You're going to give us diversity, a little bit of character, cross, a lot of bit of character crossover, and just a really great story. And, you know, while Shonda Rhimes is also an author, I think what we pull from for most is television. What are your inspirations when it comes to writing? Who are your inspirations when it comes to writing? Oh my goodness, there's so many. I mean, I I have been a huge reader throughout my life. And so I think so many of my favorite books cross genre. Like there are lots of romance um, writers who have inspired me, but like, you know, writers who I've loved my whole life have really, with their just sort of love of story and um, the way that I have been pulled into the stories, I think, you know, everything from Madeline Langle, whose books I adored when I was little, um, Beverly Jenkins, who's like huge, you know, um, person in the romance world, um, Terry Jones, who is just such an incredible writer, like they all write in very different ways, but have really each one and like you know, scores more um, have really inspired me just in like thinking about my writing and um, the way that I want people to feel when they read my books. Yes, I love that. So to get into by the book, which has been out a little bit, um, <laughs> it is a reimagining of Beauty and the Beast. For those who have yet to read this book, can you tell us a little bit more about by the book? Yeah, um, so it's about Isabel and Beau. Um, Isabel is a publishing assistant um, in New York City. She's been in that job for a few years and is starting to feel kind of disenchanted with the whole publishing world. She's not sure if this is a life for her. Um, and then 
because of something that her boss says, she's goes to Bo's house he lives in. Um, he's kind of holed up in this house in Santa Barbara. He's a um, former child star, was supposed to have turned in his memoir to Isabel's boss, you know, a long time ago and hasn't done it. And so she goes to his house to like try to get him to at least answer some questions about what he's doing and um, if his book is ever coming. And um, in the process, she ends up moving in with him and helping him with his memoir. And and then they fall in love because it is a romance. Yes. <laughs> I loved it so much. And this was this was different. So this book is part of the Meant to Be series. It's it's the second book in that series. So it was a little different. It was outside of your norm. There weren't the same character crossovers. Um, and I think, so I'm, I love Disney movies and I love the reimaginings. And I was a little unsure with Beauty and the Beast because this was not one of my favorite of the Disney movies. Why did you choose Beauty and the Beast for this one? So, I mean, I, you know, growing up at, like as a really bookworm kid, like Belle was such a, you know, oh, there's a princess who also loves books, like, just like me. And also I could be a princess too. You know, I mean, that was really the sort of feeling that I had. And so it was really fun for me to be able to write someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it is funny because right before I started writing, I rewatched the movie to sort of get, you know, ideas for like fun little Easter eggs to put in and stuff. And I was like, okay, so like he actually imprisons her. <laughs> I don't want to do it that behind way. Bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like there's a box the door. Let's not, let's find a different way <laughs> to do that. So I really wanted to give Isabel a lot more agency um, for a lot of parts of the story than Belle had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really kind of turned some of the stuff that I didn't like about the movie on its head, um, mm-hmm. while still appreciating all of the kind of fun stuff that I loved. Yes. And I think you did. I, I really enjoyed this story. It it was a lot more relatable than I think I expected it to be going into this story. And I think, you know, we fell in love with these characters. It was definitely more of a slow build romance. Yes especially compared to the movie, because that was instant. And then (laughs) even in comparison to your other stories and the dedication that you made in this book to Black girls, because they can be princesses too, really just, I, I loved it so much because, you know, we didn't have our own Disney stories growing up. I feel like that's why I was always drawn to the brown princesses and the characters that were a little bit more relatable. And I just think it was, I loved it so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. And it is funny talking about the slow burn and how that is different than my other books. I mean, I think that was actually one of the big challenges for me in writing this because I kind of, I realized that that by the nature of the story, that's kind of what it had to be. And none of my other books are like that. And so that took a lot of work to like figure out, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to get them from here to here to here to like finally um, realizing how they feel about each other? And that took a lot of like work and thought and and rewriting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And this book was so most, I think all of your other books have had that, you know, the point of view from the woman, the point of view from the man, it kind of crosses over. And this book did not do that. So what is it or how what's how do you tap into the voice of men when you're writing? 
So it's interesting that you say that because that was also one of the big challenges of this mm-hmm. book for me. I mean, I had decided early on that this was going to be just written from Isabel's point of view. Um, and then when I started writing it, I realized, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't until I was probably almost done with my first draft that I realized that doing it that way meant that I hadn't really, I, I didn't, I hadn't thought as much about Bo's character as I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually when I'm switching back and forth, I'm really thinking about him and what he's thinking and what he's feeling at every moment. And so because I wasn't doing that, it, you know, I, I was like, oh, Bo doesn't feel like a real character. So then kind of going back, I had to make a lot of changes and like actively think about what is he thinking? Why would he say this? Oh, he wouldn't. Oh, okay. He would say something different. And so that took a lot of like work in subsequent drafts to really think him, think about him and think him through. And that was really helpful. Once I kind of realized what the sort of thought process I had to go through Um, it made it a lot easier to understand him and and figure out his character. I feel like that might have also been intentional that your original thought process wasn't necessarily on Bo. Was it that his character wasn't necessarily the the point of view in this story? We're talking about, you know, Black girls and princesses and, and Black women in publishing. And maybe that voice didn't need to be told as Well, I mean, I really, you know, it felt like this was Isabel's story and Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell it from her point of view. It is their love story as well. And so Bo had to be a a real character and I had to understand him and where he was coming from so that Isabel could then understand him and so Mm -hmm. that their relationship could feel real. But I really did want the center of the story to be on her. Yes, definitely. I think there were there were so many deeper subjects that were were hit in this book that where it was like the romance is like we I know this is coming but it wasn't <laughs> even like I was rushing it because the other story was just so in, involving and I was like I want to see how this plays out I want to see where this goes and I like the the relationship that they build kind of in support of each other through their differences oh well thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> so you are a lawyer or you were a lawyer? You know, once a lawyer, always a lawyer. I okay. know that in the past tense. I am currently not practicing. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. So I I love that because I feel like that is, it's a relatable path for me as well. <laughs> but, but I like, I really like that um, you, you wrote an article for Catapult kind of talking about how you got into writing. And I think one of the things that you talked about was, well, first of all, the dedication and, and how you got to writing, you know, writing 30 minutes for lunch breaks to one or two hours after your, your work day, which I can imagine was already a pretty long work day. And, you know, you, you kept writing and you didn't give up and, you know, despite the rejections and you, you kept writing and that was your passion. And I feel like you even kind of touched on a little bit of imposter syndrome, kind of feeling not necessarily as a writer in the spaces, in rooms with other writers. And I wanted to know how you feel like you overcame that feeling that you didn't belong in this space. Yeah. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, there was a lot of fake it till you make it (laughs) um, feeling. Um, And I also think just by doing it over and over again, when I met um, one writer, Sarah Zarr, who's a wonderful young adult writer, um, we had been like social media friends for a while. And, and that was like bef- when I was writing, but sort of keeping it a secret. Right. 
And um, we met in person when she was in the Bay Area. And she was like, are, are you a writer? And I, I kind of hesitated. And she was like, do you write? And I said, yes. And she was like, well, then you're a writer. And I was like, okay. So I try to keep that in my mind. And, you know, especially early on, like I tried to keep that in my mind. Like I, I write, so I am a writer. But it was definitely hard um, at the beginning, especially because like I think so many writers have this story that they started writing at a very young age and has always been their passion. And I came to writing much later in life. And so it felt like I wasn't, I didn't have the right to be, you know, to call myself that and to be in those rooms. And I think just like trying to force myself to do it over and over did really help. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's it's very inspirational for a lot of people who aren't necessarily sure that they're on the right path or doubting it and feeling like it's too late. Um, so yeah, it's, it's never too late. <laughs> Always, if, you're, if you want to do it, do it. <laughs> I love that from you. So thank you. Um, what was the moment that you knew you had it right? Kind of when you made that transition officially from law to being an author? I mean, my first book came out, you know, four and a half years ago, maybe ask me in another five years. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like, I think, um, I think there is never exactly one moment. I think there's, there are moments in each book where I know I'm getting it right. You know, there are moments every time I'm writing where I think like where I have just a really great writing day and I'm so happy I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, But those moments always have their opposite, you know, in, in every small rejection or bad review or like, you know, every kind of weird thing that happens in and outside of publishing where I think like, is this really for me? So, um, so I, you know, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll know for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I think you've made it. I think you, you've got it. <laughs> so, why do you, why contemporary romance? You know, it's funny. So when I first started writing, um, I was writing young adult. Um, that had been sort of what I was reading a lot of. And also like, I loved young adult fiction as a kid. I read so many books and there were never books about little black girls or or black teenage girls, you know? And so I was like, I will write one of those. And I did. um, And then I kind of wrote kind of half of another one that I kept working on. Um, But none of those got really any traction. I tried to get an agent with the first one and got a lot of like very, very supportive rejections (laughs) from agents. And then I started reading a lot of romance and got really into reading it. At first, I was reading a lot of historical romance. And I was like, I love reading this. It's so much fun. But I don't think I could write one. I think because I just didn't think my voice would translate to historical romance. Um, And then I started reading contemporary romance. And I I distinctly remember thinking like, oh, yeah, (laughs) yes. And so then I kind of had the idea for the wedding date and and started writing it. And I just had so much fun writing it. Like, I think it is because I enjoyed writing it so much that I kind of knew, all right, this, you know, I'm going to stick with this. There could be other things in my future, so we'll see. But I do really love writing contemporary. I was going to ask, do you see yourself (laughs) writing any other genres? (laughs) So that's hopeful. (laughs) What are your favorite romance tropes to write about? I think we get all of them in your books. So do you have a favorite that you like to write? Um, You know, I love fake dating. It's so much fun for me, I think, as you can tell, because I've put it in a number of books. 
<laughs> I think it's just like, it's just sort of fun because it, it's often two people, sometimes two strangers, sometimes people who know each other who are kind of like forced into this masquerade against, um, against the rest of the world and like other people that they know. And, you know, they're like getting to know each other while they're kind of bonded together because of this. And I think that that can make for so many ways to like discover characters and figure each other out um, and also learn about each character individually and, and them together. Um, so I have a lot of fun both kind of reading and writing that. Um, but there there are like a lot of other kind of fun tropes that I like. And so I'm excited to to get to write more. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like you kind of touched on this a little bit, but in terms of your books, which do you have a favorite? I cannot pick a favorite in my books. I mean, I've, you know, I've heard someone say like your favorite child is always the youngest because they need the most from you. And so I always feel like my most recent book or the one that's about to come out is like my newest favorite, but that changes each time I have a book come out. So, <laughs> but I do, I mean, the thing is I have such tender feelings towards like each one of my books for such, for very different reasons. You know, each one of them um, has got either gotten me through a hard time or has been special in some way. Um, so I just really um, love and appreciate them all. Okay. I'm going to double down. What about <laughs> characters? Do you have a favorite character that you've written? You know, so the interesting thing is I think about the characters as like couples, right? Like I, I think about them each in, as their relationships in the books. So sometimes it's like, sometimes it's the the couple in the books, but sometimes it's also, I think about the, like their friendships and things like that. So they're, so I can't really identify specific individuals, but, um, but I do really love all of the different relationships in my books for a lot of different reasons. Okay. That's mm-hmm. fair. I feel like I have a soft spot for Maddie and Theo, just cause that's kind of where I came into the series. But then when I read the Royal holiday, I was like, okay, mom, <laughs> getting you with Vivian, <laughs> getting it in London. I loved it. I know. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So the wedding date, the proposal, the wedding party, royal holiday, they have all been optioned for movies with uh, Reese Witherspoon's the what is it, Sunshine, Hello Sunshine production. Are there any updates on when we might be getting those? Um, no current updates. So we'll okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so um, Drunk on Love, which... Is there any Beyonce reference there? <laughs> there, I, It's funny because there are Beyonce references in many of my books. Okay. And I can't remember if one made it to this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Drunk on Love is coming out in September. Yes. And we get to meet some new characters. We're, we're drinking wine. Can you can you read, let readers know a little bit about this story? Yes. Um, so this book is about Margot and Luke. Um, Margot Noble is... Um, the co-owner of a small family winery in Napa Valley with her brother. Um, and one night she's she's frustrated with stuff going on at the winery and with her brother, goes to hang out at her friend's bar, um, ends up sitting next to a charming stranger and goes home with him that night. The next day she walks um, into her winery and discovers that the charming stranger is her new employee. And so that is sort of Margot, the beginning of Margot and Luke's story. 
and how the how they figure themselves out is the rest of the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, we did get a little taste of some familiar characters in Drunk on Love. And I'm wondering, are you going to go further with that? Are we going to kind of bring Margot and Luke into the, the world that you've already created? Or are we going to branch out and go into a different direction with them? I don't know what the next books are. I do think that um, that they, you know, once they happen, they will definitely be in um, new new characters or characters you have met in this book. Okay. Um, so, but we will see what happens. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so um, what are you reading right now? Do you have any favorite genres that you enjoy reading? Um, I have so many. I mean, I love reading romance, obviously. I love reading mysteries, um, any kind of fun um, contemporary fiction I'm a big fan of. Um, right now I'm reading Counterfeit by uh, Kirsten Chen, the, yeah. which is funny because I met Kirsten at a, she lives in the Bay Area and I met her at a um, event a few weeks before her book came out. And now it's the newest um, Reese Witherspoon pick. So I'm really excited by that. It's a lot of fun. Are you working on anything new right now? I, I, I'm trying to take a little break. I've been working a lot um, over the past few years. So we will, we will see what happens next. Okay. What have you, what do you do kind of to unwind, take a break, relax? I think you are a yoga fan. I am. I do a lot of yoga. Um, you know, I, it, it, one of the things that has been really hard over the past few years, um, is figuring out how to relax because the pandemic I think has been so overwhelming and has changed so, every part of so many of our lives. Um, that, you know, usually I would like meet up with friends or go on vacation and like things like that. And we haven't been able to do so much of that for a while. And so now that some of that's coming back, I'm really looking forward to that. So I am going on vacation with a friend soon. Um, and now like I, I can like finish something hard and call a friend and say, can you meet me for drinks in an hour? And we will do that. And so I think really being able to kind of get my mind off of whatever I was working on and talk to other people and, um, and, you know, relax with friends and have fun has been uh, one of the things that I've missed the most over the past few years. And I'm excited to be able to do that again. Yes, definitely. Very important to do. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want listeners to know about by the book or drunk on love or anything that I may have missed in this conversation? I had so much fun writing drunk on love. I think it was, um, I mean, <laughs> I've written three books uh, in the pandemic now. I hope I hope that by the time I write another one, the pandemic is really over. Um, but I it was really an escape for me. I think all, all three of the books that I have written um, during the pandemic have really been my way of like going into another world and finding a place where none of this was happening <laughs> and that I could just relax and have fun. And so I hope that my books are that kind of fun, joyous, uh, maybe slightly salacious uh, time for readers too, because that's what that's what I enjoyed as I was writing them. Yeah, definitely. What what would you say has kind of been the most challenging part of writing three books during the pandemic? And was there a thought maybe to I, I don't know, like maybe with when it comes to touring and talking about your books and kind of having those moments in person with your fans and being able to like, has that changed any releasing these books now? Um, you know, so the first 
Uh, so I've released three books uh, during the pandemic now. Um, Party of Two, which we mentioned that came out in the summer of 2020. Um, and then uh, While We Were Dating, that came out the summer of 2021. And then just by the book. So the first two, I did not get to see anybody in person. It was mm-hmm. all virtual events. Um, and then by the book, I got to do a bunch of events in person and meet a bunch of readers. And it, it it was just so wonderful to get to meet readers in person again. I think it has been really great to be able to do virtual events, especially because so many people who don't live in places where authors generally get to tour um, have gotten to join in. And that has been really lovely. Um, but it, I think there's there's nothing like getting to see and talk to readers in person and like really talk about what books, what the books have meant to you and have them tell me what my books have been to them. Like it really means so much for me to hear that and have those real conversations. So that has been really wonderful um, and really inspiring. I mean, I think, you know, the first two, in some ways, the release kind of felt imaginary. <laughs> like I knew I had the book, but it wasn't, I didn't, I never like, you know, up until over these these past um, few months went in getting to do more in-person events. Like I, I didn't see a single human being who wasn't like related to me holding either, either of those first two books, you know? And so that really made a difference in like talking to people and seeing like, okay, people actually did read these books, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that was, that was really wonderful. Your covers, you have very cute covers. I feel like they have kind of even maybe they're evolving. I feel like Drunk on Love has a very different cover than the wedding date had. And I want to know like, what, what is your, what's your process with picking your covers? What goes into that? Oh my goodness. I mean, first of all, all credit goes to the wonderful art teams at my publishers. Like they have done incredible jobs. Um, Usually my editor and I will have a conversation about the cover early on. Um, Sometimes it's before they have even gotten the manuscript from me, um, depending on like where, you know, where my deadline is in relation to like where we need to get a cover. And so I will like sort of give them lots of like phrases <laughs> and say like what I want the book to feel like. Um, and then they come back to me with these incredible covers. Like with Drunk on Love, they came with um, like four different options. And I was like, they're all wonderful. I do not know. <laughs> and so we had to like, I showed them to, to a handful of friends, like, okay, yeah. what do you, what do you, you know? And so they, I mean, they have really done a great, great job. Yes. Um, I love yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, I feel like there are so many things um, that readers have come to love from reading your books. And there's that, that classic Jasmine Guillory feel that you give us in your stories. And I think there are a lot of different elements that you can kind of pick up on and you know, these are important things to you. These are maybe hobbies or interests of yours. And I feel like Oakland, while it may not always be a setting in every book or the main setting, I think it definitely shows up in every book at some point. (laughs) So why is Oakland so special? I grew up here. um, My family is all, I mean, my parents um, were both born and raised in the Bay Area. Um, you know, both sides of my family, my grandparents came here. Um, and I think this is a place that I have really 
you know, I, I know, I know it so well, like I know it by heart and all of the, you know, the schools and the people, um, and like, I mean, there's, you know, I will like run into someone in the grocery store that like my uncle went to high school with. Right. And so I think there is so much about Oakland that I love the diversity, the food, the, like the the weather. (laughs) Um, but also the community. I mean, I think it has always been a really tight um, community that cares about its people. And that's something that, you know, it has changed a lot over the past few years, but that's something that I really hope never changes. That sounds like Margot. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing, food, we're always, we're eating good. There's yeah. going to be pastries. There's going to be desserts. There's going to be taco trucks. What, what's your favorite snack. I got to say cheese and crackers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that is the ultimate best snack. And that's a staple. Yes. (laughs) What's your favorite meal? Oh, that (laughs) is really hard. I mean, it might have to be tacos. Okay. But, but I, but I might tomorrow, if you ask me that question, I might have a different answer. That's fair. That's fair. Do you have a favorite go-to taco spot? Yes. There's a place near my house that I go to a lot. But I also make tacos a lot. Okay. Um, So I feel like, I feel like tacos are often my kind of default meal when I like only have a handful of stuff in the house. Yeah. Because if you have tortillas and like some sort of meat or beans or cheese, I always have avocados around. Like I can pull together some tacos. Yeah. Love avocados. Yes. (laughs) So red lipstick, you're wearing it. I almost wore it, but I was like, I, I can't pull it off in the same way that you can. <laughs> what is your favorite red lipstick brand? Oh my goodness. I mean, that's like asking my favorite character. I can't do that. <laughs> um, you know, I do really love the one I have on right now, which is Lisa Eldridge um, Velvet Ribbon. Okay. Uh, it is it is a very good classic red. It is like, feels really good on the lips and stays on well. So I'm a big fan of it, but there's also like their Pat McGrath has some really great um, red lipsticks. Um, YSL has some that I love. Uh, Sephora, their like long wearing lipstick in in like 01 is fantastic. Yeah. So there, there are a bunch of great ones. Speaking my language. <laughs> red wine or white wine? It depends on the weather. Okay. You know, in in you know, summer, warm weather, I like, I will love a crisp white or even a rosé. Um, but yeah, but in the wintertime, I drink a lot of red. Okay. That, <laughs> that's, that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like I know the answer to this one, but text messages or phone calls? You know, that's a harder one okay. um, because that it sort of depends on my mood and who, who I'm talking to. So like, I will, there's like certain friends of mine, we almost never text. We just call. Mm-hmm. Um, some people I sort of go back and forth with, and then some people I mostly just text. So it really kind of depends on the relationship and where you are, but I think there's a great place for both. Yes. If anybody's asking why any of these questions are being brought up, <laughs> this is your sign <laughs> to get into Jasmine Guillory's books. Jasmine Guillory, this was an honor. Buy the book is out now. Drunk on Love will be out September 20th. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us on Pour It Over. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. 
Hello readers, it's time for another TBR Top Off, where we recommend books to pick up based off of today's episode. My name is Mark, I'm coming to you from my Barnes & Noble store in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm joined by a special guest, my favorite rom-com bookseller, Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello. So today is a fantastic episode. We are covering Jasmine Guillory and the wonderfulness that is her. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a word. So Jasmine has a really great body of work. We love selling her books. She's so much fun. Uh, so we decided to just pick a few of our favorites. And I'm going to go ahead and go first if that's cool. Yeah. The book that I chose is By the Book. And it's part of her Meant to Be series where she takes uh, classic fairy tales and gives them a modern spin, minus most of the magic part of things. So this book is a loose retelling of Beauty and the Beast. You follow the main character, Izzy, also known as Isabel, Belle, Beauty and the Beast. You get it. And she is kind of at a a stopping point in her young life. She is working her butt off at a publishing company and it's not really going anywhere. She's still living at home with her parents and she knows that there's so much more out there that she just hasn't explored yet. So an opportunity falls into her lap where a very famous and very reclusive author has yet to turn in his manuscript and the publishing company is on the verge of panic. So Izzy volunteers to try to get him to finish this damn book. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she heads over to Santa Barbara into this incredibly huge mansion and meets Mr. Bo Towers, who is this kind of difficult, sort of jerky, obnoxious, very, very handsome, yeah, of course. Is. Yeah, yeah he, is. he is. Author who uh, has a lot, going on and the reasons behind why he hasn't finished this book are yet to be revealed and izzy is just going to try to do her best to get him to finish this book Bo decides sure i'll go ahead and finish this if izzy stays in the mansion with him and helps him write this book and cuteness and definitely ensues uh, this book is so charming it's just a breezy read you can finish it really quickly it's fun and kind and it's just a great spirit lifter it's a good book to finish when you just need a reminder that the world is actually good um so please check out buy the book reese do you have something for us i sure do i knew you would <laughs> all right so i'm gonna cover the wedding date which is the first book in the wedding date series oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so like you said about an uplifting uh real world book i think jasmine does a really good job of making sure that her books are uplifting, but also her characters deal with a lot of real world issues. So in The Wedding Date, we have Alexa Monroe, who's a chief of staff for the mayor of Berkeley, California. And she is visiting her sister at a hotel while she's visiting for the weekend. And she gets in the hotel with this hot stranger who she hasn't yet met. And they get stuck in the elevator. Power goes out. And so she starts talking with this beautiful stranger and his name is Drew Nichols and he is a pediatric surgeon. Of course. As they're talking about why they're in this hotel, why he's visiting. So he came to town for a wedding that happens to be between his ex-girlfriend and his best friend from med school. Ugh. Newsflash, they're no longer best friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he actually told everyone that because he's the best man, he would have his new girlfriend with him. He also does not 
have that girlfriend any longer. So he needs a fake girlfriend for this event. And cue Alexa, they end up agreeing that he will, she will act like his date and his girlfriend. And they actually really hit it off and turns into a little bit more than fake. So the series as a whole, all six books, follow all the different side characters that we meet along the way. For example, the second book, The Proposal, features Carlos, who is Drew's best friend. And the whole series in general features fake dating, enemies to lovers, a really fun twist on the one bed trope, dual POV, forced proximity, literally everything that you could ask for in a full series of romance novels. And each one also features an extremely strong, successful Black woman, which I think is extremely important in a lot of romance novels now. Uh, Representation is really important. And I think Jasmine's, like her emphasis on representation makes the series even better than it was or than it even could have been without that. And it also, all of her series deals with a lot of real life issues like privilege, racism, misogyny, conversations about interracial relationships, beauty standards. The women in all the books are different body types and they have different interests. And I think the fact that Jasmine chose to feature this is extremely important and very timely. Uh, The women are just unapologetically themselves. They refuse to settle for anything less than what they're worth. And her books are just so fun and steamy. They do get a little spicier as you get further in the series, but not too much, a tasteful amount. Uh, And they're, they're just so realistic. They're so honest. And you learn a lot about yourself while you're reading romance novels in general. But I think Jasmine does a really good job of teaching you a lot about yourself. Uh, So yeah. Yay. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Reese, you are the (laughs) official rom-com queen in our store. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Truly, if there's any customer who comes in and they need a little bit of romance, I find you immediately. Uh, That's best compliment ever. I mean, yeah, you you know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, But that is all we have for today. Uh, We could talk about rom-coms for truly weeks. and (laughs) still have Yeah, maybe years. (laughs) And still have more to talk about. Um, but we'll we'll close for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Port Over. Uh, please make sure to support us with a rating and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Click the button. Click the button. <laughs> you can follow us at Barnes & Noble, and you can follow our home store at BN Westchester. My name is Mark. I'm Reese. And thank you so much again. Happy reading, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Port Over is a Barnes & Noble production. The show is available on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts.